somebody I was talking to, I believe it was yesterday, we were talking and said something about choir, and uh, they said, uh, you guys have a choir? And I thought to myself, wow, we do have a choir. You guys are like the choir. I mean, you guys sing like a choir. You guys are awesome. Oh, man, you just really blessed me when you participate in worship that way. I've been in churches before where uh, really nobody participates but the people on the stage. And so it's just a real privilege to be in a congregation where uh, the congregation participates and enjoys worshiping God together. It's just really, uh, really a privilege. So thank you for participating that way. Uh, uh, thank you also for giving Derek and I the opportunity to go. Uh, this week we were at a church conference uh, in Orlando, Florida, and everybody says, well, you don't look any tanner. Well, that's because we didn't hang out at the beach. We went to a conference. You know, we were, we were in churches and uh, uh, restaurants and the hotel the whole time, but uh, really learned some great things, really inspired us, uh, got us fired up, and we are excited about where God is taking uh, Fellowship of Grace over the next few months and the next few years. Uh, so thank you for that privilege. I tried to get Derek to stay on an extra day and go to Disney World with me, but he wouldn't do it. He goes, I want to go with a kid. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where I am? Let's go. He wouldn't do it. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for that uh, opportunity. Hey, we're in the middle of this Shape series. Last week, we talked about the S being spiritual gifts. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, uh, you can go onto our website, www.fogkc.com, and you can uh, take a look there, uh, listen to the sermon uh, on spiritual gifts. And as I mentioned last week, uh, it was really hard to just talk about all those things in one sermon. And so um, uh, during the summer, uh, as our community groups wind down at the end of May, uh, in June, we're going to start a Sunday night series of teaching times, uh, really dealing with the spiritual gifts, uh, uh, all of them kind of in depth, what they are, how they work, what they look like, what they don't look like, all that kind of stuff. And so I hope that'll be really beneficial to you in helping you discover uh, your spiritual gift. But today, uh, we're going to talk about our heart's desire and our abilities and talents. We're going to tackle two in one day. Uh, next week, of course, is Mother's Day. Uh, please be here next week if you can. Bring your mom, and um, we're going to have some baptisms, and we're going to have some baby dedications, children dedications, and so uh, it's going to be a really uh, exciting service. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, but then we'll finish up with the personality and experiences uh, after Mother's Day. So let's talk today about our heart's desire and abilities and talents. Let's start with our heart's desire. And let's take a look at this passage, Psalm 37, 4. Here's what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I've heard this verse read many times in different churches, and I've heard it preached many times in different churches. And unfortunately, about half the time, only the last half of the verse is preached. And that has a totally and completely different meaning than the whole verse uh, together. If I were to say to you, uh, uh, here's Psalm 37, 4, and what it says is, God will give you the desires of your heart. And that's it. Well, that's kind of dangerous. I mean, I mean, our desires can be all kinds of crazy things. Uh, they can be sinful. They can be self-serving. Uh, they can be uh, all about us and all about what we want and all those kinds of things. Listen, God is not a genie. Uh, you rub the lamp and how he pops to give you everything you want. He is not a giant bubblegum machine in the sky where you put in your prayer and your request and out comes everything you want. It doesn't work like that, folks. The first part of this verse is probably the most important part, even though we're going to talk about the second part. Okay, and the first part is this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, 
How, how does that work out? What does that mean? Why is that first part, delight yourself in the Lord, so important? Well, here's why. What that means is only when we delight ourselves in Jesus, when we love the things he loves, when we connect to the things he's connected to, when our lives are sub, submersed and, and, and obsessed with following him and, 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 and just embracing him, that's when he gives us the desires of our heart. <clears throat> now, why is that? That's because the more we become like him, the less our desires are our desires and the more our desires are his desires, you see. That, that's, why, that's why this verse can only make sense with both parts. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we decide, hey, I'm going to live within God's boundaries, I, I am going to love the things he loves, I'm going to invest my life in the things that he thinks are important. I'm going to surround myself with the people he wants me to surround myself with. I'm going to do the things he wants me to do and be the things he wants me to be. When we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, that's when he gives us the desires of our heart. Yesterday, I was talking to a couple of young ladies about being baptized. And we were up in the quasi-office room, uh, you know, upstairs here. The closet turned into an office. And uh, I, I, I stood up and I looked into the television. It was turned off. And I looked at the television and I asked them if they could see me. They said, yes. I said, how do you know it's me? They said, well, we see your reflection. Folks, us, us delighting ourselves in the Lord means when we look into the mirror, Jesus is looking back more than we are. Now, now not physically, of course. But when we look in the mirror, we see the behaviors of Jesus. We see the, the, the thought process of Jesus. We see uh, the, the, the heartbeat of Jesus in that mirror. That's when he will give us the desires of our heart. Because they're driven now, not by our selfish desires, but our desire to be what he wants us to be. Our desire to fulfill what he has called us to, to complete in our lives. We have a whole different perspective on the desires of our heart. When, when we are far from God and we list the desires of our heart, folks, they are almost all self-serving. But the closer we come to him and the more we reflect him and the more we become like him, the more we realize that our, our desires are no longer those selfish things, but they're the things that he desires for us. And so with that in mind, I want to kind of uh, give you five questions. I can't, I can't tell you what your heart's desire is, and I can't give you 20 options. There are a million options, okay? I don't know what your heart's passion is, but I want to give you some questions where you can think about it, pray about it, spend some time with God about it, and really try to understand what is it that drives your heart, what is the passion in you that if you don't do this thing, it will kill you? You know, when I talk to guys that want to become church planters, start new churches, first thing we talk about is this passion, this calling in your heart, this desire to be who God wants you to be. And I ask him the question, would you be happy, could you be fulfilled doing anything else? And if they say, yeah, I could get a, I could get a bank job and be okay, then you shouldn't be a church planter. You don't have a passion for it. It's not the thing that's in your heart. It's not the thing that's, that's just, you know, you, you become in a good way obsessive about following God with. You're probably not called to do this one thing. So you need to find out what that one thing is. So let me give you some questions that will help you 
to maybe discover your heart's passion, your heart's desire. And then I want you to talk about these uh, in your community group. Think through them, pray through them, and then discuss them in your community group. The first one is this. What drives you? What drives you? I was just talking about this. What is that thing you're really passionate about? What is the thing you're really passionate about? I mean, this thing uh, is on your mind when you wake up in the morning. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's in your heart all day long. It, it's the last thing you think of before you go to bed. This thing that you want to do for God, this thing that, uh, that is just on your mind all the time. And I use the word obsessed because in a good way, you know, he, he wants to drive us to something. He wants to drive us to be who he created us to be. And so think about what drives you. I want you to think about who do you care about. We talked last week that our spiritual gifts, but not only our spiritual gifts, but our, our heart's desire, our experiences, our personality, all these things. God has made you specifically unique, not so he can say, hey, look how unique you are. He made you specifically unique because there is a, there is a, a piece of the puzzle in his kingdom that only you fit into. Nobody else fits that puzzle piece just the same way you do. If you like doing puzzles, here's, here's a little challenge for you. Take out two random pieces and try to stick them in the slots, the opposite slots. It doesn't work very well. Okay? God doesn't want you uh, in a slot that doesn't fit for you. And so who do you care about? Who are the people that are on your heart and your mind? Now, I love children. I, I love my own children. I love my grandchildren. Um, and I love your children. But listen, I am not cut out to be back there for two hours on a Sunday morning. I am just not. I probably was when I was younger and maybe a little more patient. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm getting old and crusty and, you know, I, I can't do that as much as I, I, I care about them, but I'm probably not really gifted to be in there. Who do you care about? And let's just be honest. We probably don't care about everybody at the same level, Okay. We're drawn to certain groups of people. Maybe you're drawn uh, to the elderly. Maybe you're drawn to little children. M maybe you're drawn to those with disabilities. Uh, maybe you're drawn to those uh, who are at a lower economic uh, state than most of us. The fact is God may be putting something in your heart to drive you to a group of people that he wants you to minister to. And listen, if you have that desire, if you have that passion in your heart, that could be part of his driving you to them. Maybe you can minister to them in a better way than anybody else can. So think about who it is that you really care about. By the way, we all should care about children. This week I read the stat that 85% of people in America who have made professions of faith in Christ, who've given their lives to Jesus Christ, made that decision between the ages of 4 and 14. Do you see why we spend so much time and effort and energy on upward sports? Do you see why we try really hard to have our children's ministries uh, uh, you know, top-notch? Now, we want to reach their parents, we want to reach adults, and we'll continue to try to do that. But if the majority of people are being reached in between the ages of 4 and 14, we got to get that right. we got to get that right. That's an important thing for our church. But who do you care about? Think about what need you would meet. What need you would meet. Let me ask you the question this way. If you had unlimited resources and unlimited opportunities, what would you do in the kingdom of God? In other words, if there were no limitations, there were no hindrances, you were getting the green light 
I, I think about these things sometime in, the, in terms of if I were king, I would, okay? What would you do? What would you do in the kingdom? How would you serve the body of Christ if there were no limitations? There was a vast amount of resources and opportunities. What would you be driven to do and be in the body of Christ? What, what need would you want to meet? And I say this, folks, because I'm trying to, when we talk about our heart's desire, I want to unleash a, a little bit of a dreamer in you. I'm just kind of a dreamer by nature, okay? But I want to release a little bit of that in you because here's how I know things work. We think, wow, I could, I could really do something good for God here. I could really do something big for the Lord and for the kingdom. And then you hear that voice. You could never do that. Don't you remember what you did when you were 17? You couldn't do that. You, look at those other people. They're much better than you are. They, you can't do that. You're not talented. You're not capable. Those people are so much more spiritual than you are. You and I know what you're really like behind closed doors. And those are, people are so much better. We hear those voices, folks. That is not God. That is not God telling us to limit who we are. Listen, the scriptures say that God's plans for us are, are bigger than we can dream. I'm a big dreamer. I mean, I can dream some pretty crazy things. And God's plans are bigger and better. So don't be limited by Satan's whispering in your ear that you can't do something in the kingdom. If God asks you to do it, you can do it. Listen, the Old Testament and the New Testament are full, full of failures. They are full of, of men and women who have failed big. And they come out great warriors for the kingdom of God. Because they don't listen to those voices. They listen to God's voice. Let me ask you this question. What will you help conquer? Maybe this will help you find this, this uh, heart's desire in you. What will you help conquer? Now, you know, I don't want to just now limit you. Maybe somebody in this room will, will cure world hunger. Maybe somebody in this room will cure diseases like HIV AIDS. Maybe somebody in this room Or maybe most of us will do great and incredible things in the kingdom that will affect our families and our sphere of influence and the generation after them 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 and that's it. I'd be happy with that. I'd be really happy with that. Think about what it is you want to conquer for the kingdom. Do you want to make sure that people in every country have a, a, a New Testament in their language? Do you want to uh, uh, see that uh, people groups who are currently unreached uh, get a, a gospel presentation? But folks, be careful as you think about this. You start unleashing. You start unleashing the dream that God has for you. You might wind up a missionary. You might wind up doing something really big for the kingdom. You might wind up on the front lines of the spiritual battle. But if that's where God wants you, that's where you'll be the most fulfilled. The last question I want to ask you, though, about your heart's desire is, what dream will you fulfill? You know, when Fellowship of Grace started 10 years ago, our tagline was that we want to help you fulfill God's dream for your life. And those words were specifically chosen. It's not about our dream for our lives. 
Okay, I'm not concerned about you fulfilling your dream for your life. Okay, because again, that's self-serving. That's looking at it from my perspective, what I want out of life. But if God has a dream for each of us, which I think he does, I know half of that dream because it's the same for everybody. It's God's dream for everyone that they receive Christ as their Savior, that they give their lives to Christ, that they get baptized, that they get in a Bible-believing church, that they serve the body with their gifts and abilities and talents. Those things are the same for everybody. But now, when we look at the uniqueness of each one of us, there are things that God has, has got planned for you that he doesn't have planned for me. Not each of you is going to be a church planter. Okay? So there's some things God has for me he doesn't have for you. There are some really specific things, but one of the things we want to help you do, folks, is figure out and fulfill what God wants you to do. So what unfulfilled dream would you fulfill if you could in the kingdom? What would you do if God gave you the green light? Think about that. Dream about that. Pray about that and see if God drives your heart to that thing. I want to switch gears now and talk about abilities and talents. Abilities and talents. Listen, we are all born with some natural talents and abilities, some natural aptitudes for certain things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, when we hit the first grade, uh, there are some subjects that are probably easy for us some subjects that were pretty difficult for us. Now, for me, math was really easy. It came to me easy. I was always a top performer in math. Uh, I don't know why. I just took to it. It was just really easy for me my whole, whole career as a student. But man, language arts, holy cow. Which is funny because now I wind up talking, you know, 90% of the time. But language was really tough for me. I couldn't figure out what a noun and a verb was, or why was it an adverb? What's a subverb? What's a, what, I, I mean, all that stuff, just, I, I just could never get it. I could never get it. It was really difficult for me. And then there's a little girl sitting next to me and just goes right through it, you know? So we have some natural aptitudes that, that are just uh, our, our talents and abilities that God has given us from the very beginning. I want us to look at a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. Now, I don't, want to, I don't want to confuse you. Uh, in this passage, technically, the word talents is a, a monetary uh, amount, okay? Uh, a talent is actually different in every culture in how much it weighs and how much it's worth. That's not important. But there's a universal principle here that not only applies to money, but applies to us. So I want us to see this uh, passage. Don't think I'm trying to pull a fast one on you and, and tell you the passage is about actual talents, and abilities. It's not. It's about money, but I think it also applies. So let's take a look at it. I think you'll agree. Here's what it says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. 
I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. (coughs) So I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I, have not, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a pretty profound parable. The master, of course, is Jesus Christ. The servants are his followers, those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ. And what the parable says is that before he left, Jesus has given us uh, talents, not only money, but abilities, a personality. He's given us experiences, spiritual gifts, if we know him as our Savior. He's invested all these things in us. But he's coming back, and we're going to give an account of what he invested in us. And so the one has five talents. He's going to say, look, Jesus, I, I give you your five talents back, and look, I made five more. Jesus calls him two things. He said, you've been good, and you've been faithful. Good job. Then the guy with two talents. See, he didn't get as much, but he didn't grumble and whine and complain. Well, that guy got five, and I only got two. I'm not doing nothing. He didn't do that. Pretty good, wasn't it? He didn't do that. He said, okay, I got the two. I'm not going to compare myself. I got the two. I'm going to invest my two. And when Jesus comes back, he says, Jesus, here are the two you gave me. And here are two more. Jesus says the same thing to him. Folks, don't look around at the people that are around you and say, there's just so much more talented than I am. I can't do anything for the kingdom. Jesus said the exact same thing to him. He said, you are good and you are faithful. Good job, man. And then the one who was just given one, when Jesus comes back, he says, uh, I, I need to be kind of a hard man, so I, I didn't want to upset you and maybe lose this thing, so I, I just put it in the ground. Here you go. Jesus calls him two things. He calls him lazy, and he calls him wicked. Now think about that. We'll come back to that in just a minute. I want, you to make, I want to make three observations here that you clearly understand from this passage. All of our abilities and talents are given to us by God. None of these people got their money or their talent or their ability, whatever it is, none of them got it on their own. Jesus gave it to them. Now, folks, I understand. Uh, uh, I had a certain aptitude for music when I was a child. My parents made me take piano lessons uh, at, at third, in third grade. 
all the way through high school. And I had, to, I had to sit at that piano for 30 minutes every single day and practice. And I mean, not just goof around, but really practice. Okay? I had an aptitude for music, but I did invest more in it and, and got better at it. Like most of the things that we do. But it's, but it's clear that God is the giver of those gifts. Talent for. I mean, None. You know, now, like basketball, except for the fact that I can't dribble, shoot, or run, I'm a great basketball player. I mean, I stink. I don't even try anymore because I'm so bad at it. Okay, there's just things I can't do. There's things you can do and things you can't do. But it's important for us to understand that God is the giver of every gift, and they are on loan. They weren't given to us to keep. They were given to us to manage. They were given to us so that we could use them for the kingdom. And so when he comes back, he has more. They weren't given to us to keep. They're ours to manage, to handle, just like our money. Our talents are the same way. And let me just say this also. Uh, Because they belong to him, he can take them back anytime he wants to. And we need to think about that. I often tell the worship team as as we pray and as we talk, I remind them that every kind of ability and talent that they have comes from God, and he can take it back if he wants. Any one of these vocalists could develop some kind of a, a problem with their throat, nodes or something, and never sing again. Every one of the instrumentalists on our stage can be in some kind of catastrophic accident this week and 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 lose a hand and never be able to play again. You see, everything that God has given to us is on loan. And so we better manage it well. So all of our talents and abilities are given by God. Secondly, (coughs) he rewards those who invest them. He rewards those who invest them. In fact, here when we see in this passage that the faithful are given more. They're given more. Now listen, this is not a... We understand this concept. If any of you have had teenagers or even older children, you understand uh, you, don't, you don't give a 14-year-old the car keys and tell them to have a nice day. Go nuts. You don't do that. Okay? You, you give them a little bit at a time, right? Give them a little bit of responsibility at a time. And if they do well, you give them more. And if they do well, you give them more. I remember our kids, first time they drove by themselves, I think it was just like, we're like uh, uh, two blocks from the grocery store. We said, we have you need some milk from the grocery store. Would you like to go and get it? Please don't hit a car in the parking lot. Okay, here you go. And they went up to the store and came back, and they made it, and everybody survived, and it didn't damage the car. So they got to go a little farther, and a little farther, and a little... We understand this. We, we act on these principles all the time, guys. And what God's saying is, folks, if you'll invest what I give you, if you'll use it for the kingdom, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. We talk sometimes about having heavenly rewards these are the kind of things we're talking about. These guys, these guys, guys don't get you know, cash money to keep for themselves. They just get more responsibility, heavenly rewards. But the thing I really want you to focus on, and I really want you to think about and how it applies to our talents and abilities and using them for the kingdom today is this. He removes from those who are lazy and wicked. Now this word wicked is, is a tough word. It's a tough word. I mean, it is, you are are the opposite of me. Jesus is saying, 
you know who I am. You're the opposite of me. You're wicked. But I want you to see what the third servant did. Did he take his talent and go, oh, I got a talent. I'm going to Vegas. Woohoo! Did he go and, and blow it all on something he wanted? Did he go and throw it away? Did he do something bad or sinful or mean or cruel with it? No. What did he do that was so wicked? Nothing at all. That was what was wicked. See, Jesus invested something in him. Jesus gave him something to manage for him. And he said, since I'm afraid I'll mess it up, I'm going to bury it in the ground. I'm going to do nothing at all. So when Jesus comes back, I can at least give him back what he gave me. And Jesus comes back and looks at it. He said, you are lazy and wicked. Now, folks, here's how this applies for us. As we talk about where our specific shape is and how God has, has uh, how you discover who God made you to be and where you fit into the kingdom and how you should encourage and bless the body of Christ. Doing nothing is not an option. Doing nothing is the most wicked thing we could do with what Jesus has invested in us. If God has given you uh, uh, the spiritual gifts and the talents and abilities to do something in the kingdom and you do nothing at all, he says you are lazy and wicked. But those who invest are good and faithful. You're good and faithful. So see, folks, the only two options, if we believe that Jesus has given us something to invest in the kingdom... The only two options are good and faithful or lazy and wicked. I don't want you to hear from the lips of Jesus, you have been lazy and wicked with what I have given you. I want you to hear you've been a good and faithful servant. But folks, you can't do that sitting on the sidelines. You can't do that sitting on the sidelines. I just want to stress to you, look at you, read this passage again in your community groups this week. This servant did not do anything sinful or bad or mean or cruel that we would say with what Jesus invested him. He just did nothing, which was the most wicked and lazy thing he could have done. So, the fact is, and I haven't put a list of abilities and talents on this page, because they're, they're numerous. There are a thousand of them. You know, I, you know I, if I start naming things, they always come up with really goofy examples, so I'm not going to do that. But listen, there's something that you can do that God has given you the aptitude for that can bless somebody in the kingdom. You know, I remember when Julie's uh, parents... We're both uh, in a nursing home here in the Northland. And there was a lady who um, came, I think, twice a week. And she, all she did was bring her dog in and, uh, you know, let the people play with the dog and uh, have some interaction with the dog, sweetest little dog. And, and it, man, it blessed their lives, blessed their lives. 
Now, I don't know how I didn't talk to this lady long enough to really get her psyche on it, but, man, she was a tremendous blessing to those people. She probably is not going to, you know, own a great foundation. She probably is not a rich woman that does all kinds of wonderful, rich things for people. But what she did was she gave of her time and her energy, and she brought her little dog, and she shared it with some old people. And it, it, it made their day different. Now, folks, I don't know uh, what God has put in your heart for your heart's desire, and I don't know completely all the abilities and talents that you have. But you do. And you need to figure out how God has shaped your puzzle piece to fit into this local body of Christ so that you can uh, fulfill what God has designed you to do. That doesn't mean that everybody gets to call their shots and everybody gets to do whatever they want to do. It's not that kind of thing, folks. But the reality is, uh, if we serve in an area where we're not gifted, where we're not talented, where we're not really capable or, or, or spiritual gifted to do, we could survive a little while. I could go into the children's ministry and I could, I could serve in there. If we were that desperate for people that we needed me in there, I could probably go and I could do that. Okay, But I wouldn't do it very well because it's not something I'm skilled at. And a lot of you are much more skilled than that. I remember uh, when Tim Ford, a gentleman in our church, when our church merged with New Covenant Baptist Church, which was on the side, he was so excited, so excited. I said, Tim, why are, you, why are you so excited? He's like, I've been a member of this church for six or seven years. I've been dying to mow the lawn, and we haven't had one. Uh, he's, he just got this, this heart's desire to mow lawns. And I said, praise Jesus, I don't have to do it. You know, and, and so, you know, that's Tim's thing. And Tim comes here every week and probably cuts the grass more than we need it to be cut. But he loves doing it, and it's, it's his thing, and he's, he's got a talent for doing it well. And, and that's his place, see? And so he's fulfilling the, the piece that he was designed to be, and he finds great fulfillment in doing that thing. Folks, I want you guys to experience that. I want you guys to experience being the puzzle piece that God made you to be. That's why we're preaching this whole series, to help you find uh, your spiritual gift, to help you really discover and define your heart's desire, to help you understand how your abilities and talents can bless the body of Christ, to help you in a couple of weeks to think about your personality and how God has shaped your personality to be a blessing to the body. And then finally, all of the experiences God has brought you through in your years of being on this planet. He's done that for a purpose and a reason too. Because he wants to use you in a great and mighty way. There are people in your sphere of influence that God wants to use you to minister to that I could never do. That Derek could never do. That Kendall could... I mean, there's just there's ways that God wants to use you that nobody else can do quite the way you can. And I want you to do two things. One, I want you to reach your potential and fulfill those things. And two, I want you to experience the fulfillment of just being who God made you to be. Because I'm telling you, it's the best place in the world to be. It is the best place in the world to be. 
So I want you to think about these things. Talk about your heart's desire and your abilities and talents in your community group this week. Spend some time yourself praying about these things, asking God to lead you and to, to guide your heart and to help you understand what your abilities and talents are. Don't listen, don't listen, don't listen to the devil and all of his excuses for why you can't do or be what God wants you to do or be. Don't listen to them. Listen to him. Listen to God. Because he won't ask you to do anything He's not going to gift you and prepare you to be able to do. How many of you ask your children to do things you know they can't do? We don't do that. And if we're fair parents with our own children, how much more fair is God to us? The fact is he has done things to invest in us because he wants to use us for his kingdom. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange your spiritual life and the, the impact that you can have on the world, and on the body of Christ. Think through those things this week. Pray about them and discuss them in your community groups. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit in us. God, thank you for investing spiritual gifts in those of us who have already given our lives to Christ. Father, if there are those who haven't given their lives to Christ here, I pray they would do that today, that they would not leave this place without talking to someone or asking some questions so that they can know how to get connected with you. Father, thank you for the heart's desire that you put in our guts, that you just really put deep in our hearts. Father, I pray that they would, as we pray about them and as we try to discover them, I pray that they would become more and more intense, that we would just feel you drawing us to certain ministries, to certain ways to benefit and bless the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for the abilities and talents that you've already given us. Uh, just through being uh, a natural-born person on this planet. But Father, help us to understand how uh, they fit into this, this uh, opportunity to bless the body of Christ. Help us to understand how we can use them to be a blessing to others and an encouragement to others. Lord, thank you for making each of us unique. Thank you for giving each of us a, a plan for our lives. Help us to discover it and live it out for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.